Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. The Athletic had almost, can I say 1,200 people? Can we say 1,200 people? Because it was basically 1,200. It was 1,196. So yes, you can round up to 1,200. 1,200 of you wonderful, amazing, talented Nashville Predators fans responded to Adam Vingan and the Athletics Predators off-season survey, and we are here to dissect every single one of those questions, all 10 of them. And all of your answers and where you stand on all of these issues today on the show. I'm very excited. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. I hope everybody had a great time watching like racing and eating barbecue and maybe drinking too much. Uh, I hope everybody had a great time this weekend. Um, I, I know, uh, Adam, you're, you're, you're coming up on some time off, well-deserved time off. And so uh, we thought we'd break down this survey here this week on the show. Uh, by the way, special thanks to all of you who chimed in on the mailbag episode last week. You guys were great. Yeah, great that was questions. Fun. Very and, fun. Uh, yeah, great questions, and uh, now that we're getting closer and closer to the the finals, Western and Eastern Conference, it's uh, it, it's 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 some time to to dive into the off season survey. Before we do that, Adam Vingan, of course, pay for good journalism at the Athletic. You can follow us along the survey there, and I, I know you've got uh, an article up already on the website about sort of some of your analysis there. But we're going to go a little deeper and sort of unpack all these answers today on the show. Before we do that, the gold standard is brought to you by the wonderful and amazing folks over at Jaspers. And, and it is the next evolution of the sports bar, Adam, because they are constantly evolving to make things better for you. They did not have a game room this time last year. Now they have a free game room with the best air hockey table in Nashville. Keep your stinking drinks off the air hockey table, please. Uh, uh, you got Papa Shot, Skee-Ball, Shuffleboard, Jenga, Connect Four, Darts, everything. It's all over there. It's great. They're, they're evolving. And I know you've been eyeing some new menu items at, at Jasper because the, the menu is constantly evolving as well. Yes, and I'd like to give a shout out to... Um... Hunter at HPAT15, who tweeted at us the other day <laughs> with a picture of the street corn pizza. He quote, this is what he wrote, end quote, I got the street corn pizza from at Jasper's Nash, but it was so good I blacked out and nearly forgot <laughs> to take a photo. Uh, I do love their flatbreads, man. They are so stinking good. Like you can get the, the, the street corn one, you can get one that goes more Latin. You can get one that goes more veggie. You can get one that goes more meat. It's they're 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 fantastic. Um, so I am a sucker. I am a sucker for Mexican street corn. Oh, so good, dude. So, so good. Well, and who who thinks to put that on a pizza? Jasper's does. This is the point. Don't don't miss out on Jasper's. Go to Jasper's. Parking is free. Grab and go market. Great drink specials. All that great stuff. If you want to hate watch some uh, Western Conference Finals hockey, go for it. Uh, okay, Adam. 10 questions, all the responses, and we will break it all down here on the show today. Question number one, which word best describes your feelings about the current state of the Nashville Predators? Optimistic, frustrated, skeptical, pessimistic, and apathetic. The survey said? The survey said 36.5% are skeptical of the current state or direction of, of the Predators' 23.2% said frustrated. So if you combine those, that is about 60% of Predators fans are either frustrated or skeptical with the direction of the franchise. 18.5% said pessimistic. 13% said optimistic. 8.9% said 
said apathetic. Now, there was someone in the comment section who rightly pointed out that if you voted apathetic, you're clearly doing it wrong because you took the time to answer this poll. <laughs> if you were apathetic, you wouldn't be doing it. The reason why I included that because David Poyle was specifically asked about fan apathy first uh, by Jared Stillman and then followed up later by Joe Rexrode. And Joe wrote about that in his column a couple of weeks ago after the end of season news conference. Um, in hindsight, and a couple of people pointed this out, four of the five uh, options were negative or leaned negative. And I think that is a fair criticism. In hindsight, I may have included something like encouraged to give someone a a optimistic adjacent answer. But nevertheless, um, even if that were the case, I think a strong portion of Predators fans would have still uh, replied as yeah. they did. So 36.5%. Frustra- excuse me, skeptical, 23.2% frustrated. Those are your top two options on on that first. So question. so I think 13% optimistic. I think that's probably just true of like every sports fan base in the world. There's just going to be like a 15% chunk that's always just going to think that everything's perfect. Like we're going to win the cup this year. <laughs> like we're going to win the World Series. We're going to win the national title. We're going to win the NCAA tournament. Like that. I think that's a, about the right number that is just not like an extreme like wing of the party or whatever. I just think it's a, I, I think that's just a, a, the, the the right number for a fan base, for any fan base in any sport that just sort of believes wholeheartedly that things are great. Right. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the, you needed another positive one because I, I think when you go basically 40%, give or take rounding here with frustrated and pessimistic, those are the two truly negative ones. Like that, that like where you have a, an adverse reaction to what the predators are doing. And I think skeptical, I think we talked about this before. I think skeptical can be considered. It doesn't necessarily have to be negative, but oftentimes when someone mentions skepticism, it's usually construed as negative. Yeah. Well, and now, and I'll give you my answer. Cause I think it's, I voted for skeptical, but there is some positive in there. I am skeptical that all that positive is going to work. Like that, that's why I picked skepticals because I can make a case that the stars were the stars this year and the young players have developed. And I think John Hines is the right guy for the job right now and has done a good job with a bad hand. Like I can say all that stuff and then also still be very skeptical of the decisions that this front office is going to make in the off season in an effort to get the predators to the next step. So I, to me, skeptical has a little bit of like, there are things I like about this team and I need to account for those in the way that I'm thinking about this, but that I'm not sure I believe it's all going to work out. And and to me, that's where skeptical is. And I think that's why it it got the, the biggest vote there. I do. I do think that is funny that like, if you're filling out a survey about your favorite team, you're clearly not apathetic, but I, I understand uh, people voting for that. Also, I thought that was David, one of David Paul's worst answers. Like it's a tough question to answer when you're the GM of a team, when somebody asks you and it's in a, it's in a, I'll be honest. Like I think Stillman asked it in a respectful way, excuse me, but it's pretty antagonistic to some degree to be like, do you think that fans are losing interest in your product? And he's, he went on this long sort of winding love affair of his own team. Basically, this is a fun team to watch. I would love this team. I I didn't think it was a particularly, I think you could have handled that with more of a stock PR answer and said, look, if we cannot, show progress and continue to win playoff series, it is understandable that fans will be upset with our performance. Like, I think you could say something like that, right? 
Um, no, and- Benjamin, Benjamin M left in the comments section of the survey to everyone who selects apathetic. You're not, you're taking this survey. You are reading a story about the predators <laughs> on a subscription based sports writing site. You care way more than someone who is apathetic, but just fair. I, I, no, I think that's fair. But again, like within the fa- like we could also, you know, within the, f- the framework of our fans, who, how many people are there? I, I think the most important thing is 40% are, are very negative about where this team is headed. And another thirty six percent. So now we're up to almost eighty percent here. Seventy six percent are either upset, frustrated, or or doubt where this program is going. And so that like, that that to me is most is the is the important part of this. Sorry about that. I pulled up Joe's column that I referenced, and I, I just want to share some of what David said. So this this first graph is is Joe quote. I just think it's awfully optimistic to expect that that being, you know, this plan to work. And I think the atmosphere in Bridgestone for the final two losses of a first-round sweep at the hands of McKinnon and company tells the story of some disillusioned fans. I asked Poyle about that after he was done speaking at the podium. Quote, I get what you're saying, but we were so outmatched and the games were fairly one-sided. I think we were overmatched and I think it was hard. If I'm a fan, I think it's hard to sustain that, Poyle said. I'm not being difficult in that maybe I should rethink that answer, but I thought everybody was energized. We didn't give them a lot to cheer for. Joe continues, Poyle pointed out that 10 years ago, the Preds, quote unquote, weren't relevant to this extent in Nashville, and that fan passion expressed in any way is a good thing. He's right. He said when Bridgestone is getting crowds of 6,000, quote, then we have a problem with apathy. Yeah, and that's right. I mean, that's fair. Um, But there was also a lot of empty seats that were very highly priced at the beginning of those games yes. in, the play, in the playoffs, in the playoffs. All right. Question number two. Yes. All right. On a scale of one to five with five being the highest, how confident are you that Predators general manager, David Poyle can return the team to Stanley cup contender status? So Sur- survey so says just say one through five. Um, do you just want to go through one through? I'll just list the, I'll just list the numbers in order from one through five and the percentages. One, so zero confidence, 22.7%. Two, 38.4%. Three, 26.2%. Four, 10.5%. Five, 2.2%. So this is what's interesting about this one in particular. So I'm going to do my quick math here. So 22.7 plus 38.4 equals 61.1%. So that means 61.1% of the people who responded to this survey have a negative feeling toward David Poyle's ability to return this team to Stanley Cup contender status. I think that's, it's not quite double, but it's pretty close to double what it was last year. Because I asked, because the, I asked the same exact question last year, and I did that on purpose because I wanted to see how things change over the course of a year. So, okay, so here it is. So keep this in mind. So 61.1% this season gave David Poyle either a one or a two, 61.1. Last year, it was 41.8. So negative feelings from David Poyle, those who gave him a one or a two. Even though a lot of the moves worked. (laughs) And from 41.8 to 61.1. Yeah. Hard to ignore. Yeah, it, it is, especially when 26 people, 26 people out of 1,200, 26 people are very confident in David Boyle. 
two percent. Then you've got ten percent who are somewhat confident in David Poyle. So you have basically thirteen percent of the population that that is bullish on the team. First question, and thirteen percent of the population of the fans that took the survey are have a positive view of David Poyle's ability to return this to a Stanley Cup. And if you want to take the th- number three, twenty six percent, about a quarter of the fan base. If you want to say that that one is sort of apathetic, not the right word, but just sort of like I don't know, kind of right is is kind of what that number is to some degree. Um, that that's that seems all again. All of this seems about right. I don't know. I voted number two. Um, I, I am I am skeptical, and I am one of the you know sixty percenters here who thought I, I'm just not sure that that this is the right way to go about getting to the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, I think that's right. Um, Where did you vote in the first two? If I were voting, I would have said skeptical. Um, right. And I probably would have said two as well. All right. So, so far we agree. I like this. Yes. Okay. Uh, question number three. How do you feel about the Predators giving coach John Hines a new two-year contract? This was I, interesting. I, that, this was this is, interesting this is very similar to... Now, this is the question to me, Adam, that that is more indicative of apathy than even the, the first question. Because the okay. first question to your to who was the, the commenter? Um, um to the to, to the point to the point of the comment commenter that said, Look, listen, you're taking a fan survey about the predators on, on a pay for pay for journalism website. This is obviously you're not apathetic, you care about the team. This is to me the the more interesting thing. That that twenty nine I'll go ahead and give the survey here. Twenty nine percent against it. 29% for it. So dead even split there. 30%, 30% for John Hines extension against John Hines extension. Okay, that balances each other out. But I thought the 41% that are indifferent to who the head coach is of the hockey team is a startling number to me. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it that way. I think I was more amazed by the fact that when when the news broke that John Hines was being retained on a new contract, you know, the, the, the instant reaction was overwhelmingly negative. So I was expecting this result to be, I was expecting the large, I mean, basically, so as you said, 41.3% said indifferent, 293 against it, 29.4 for it. I would have thought against it would have been 413 and different would have been 29.3 or 29.4, and, and four it would have been the other one. Um, I mean, isn't every single move any team makes going to have probably a split of like people that love it and people that hate it? Like a, some level of amount of fan bases that just good move, <clears throat> good move, bad move. The fact that 40% of passionate Preds fans who are passionate enough to pay for good journalism at The Athletic and and fill out a survey are, are to me, this is the sign of apathy. You don't care. You are indifferent to who the head coach is of your hockey team. That is astonishing to me. Like, how can you be indifferent about your coach without apathy towards the team? Because I, I, to me, that that is like, if there are no people in the seats, like David Paul said, if there's, there's 8,000 people in the building next year and people don't care who the coach is, that, that is a bad place to be. So I, I included a comment from... And I, I don't have the person's name in front of me, so I apologize. But I left. I, I uh, there was a comment about John that I think encapsulated where most people, what most people are thinking, is that he said I, he he said I have a love hate relationship with John Hines. This was the commenter, 
because he said that John deserves a lot of credit for for fixing the attitude in the dressing room, for reaching the top players like Matthew Shane and Philip Forsberg. However, he feels that the team is incredibly undisciplined and lacks defensive structure at times, which he says falls on the coach. So I think that's honestly what a lot of people are feeling about John. I think that they see the good. They see the things that the commenter mentioned, the 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 quote unquote identity, the you know, the the star players having career seasons. But they also see a three and eleven playoff record with the Predators. Yeah. Yeah. They see, you know, a team that leads the league and in, in, in penalties and you know doesn't have a great penalty kill to make up for that fact. And so I that honestly that's where I think this indifference comes from. I think there are people there are plenty of people that don't like John Hines. And there are people that that see that he's done a good job, but I do think this this underscores the fact that many fans see both the good and the bad, and they sort of cancel each other out. It, I, what do you think the What do you think the numbers would be if you asked a question sort of like this? You said because we've I, I'm I'm using these phrases because it's how we've used these phrases. Like what what phrase best describes your feelings towards John Hines? And the answers are can win a championship. Right mm-hmm. coach for right now mm-hmm. needs to be fired. Like what? Like I know that's a lot of nuance for fans because yeah. that, but, but that, but those are the way. That's the way you and I have talked about him. That that I don't know if he's the guy who can win a championship, but I think he's the right coach for right now. So I don't think he deserves to be fired. I don't. I'm. I think that the extension was totally fine and the right thing to do. But I still don't know if he can win a championship. I mean, it's not any, like Josh Heupel at Tennessee is exactly the same way for me. It's like I think he's the right coach for right now. He's he's taken over some chaotic situations and has leveled the ship and straightened the ship and all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know if he can beat Georgia. Like, I think Josh Heupel and John Hines are in the same boat for me right now. <laughs> I know I know that was a weird Tennessee volunteer tangent there. I apologize. But you get the point, right? Yes. I mean, I, I've said this many times, and I stand by it, that I think John has done more good than bad as coach, and he is the right coach for this team right now. Um, so I do think that's interesting because I, like I said, I would have expected just based on the reaction to the fact that they gave him a new tier, a new two year contract. Like for example, if, if the predators would have just picked up his option and the question was, how do you feel about the predators picking up John Hines one year option? I think in, I, I, I think more, these more, more positivity. Make, yeah. And I think these yeah. results would make a little more sense if it was, how do you feel about them picking up his option? I thought because they gave him a new contract and gave him basically an extra year, um, I thought it would be more negative. Like I said, if you would have taken the against it and flipped it with the indifferent, that was what I was expecting. I think the fact that two-fifths of people who took this survey do not have a strong opinion on John Hines is interesting. To me. I, I also will say this. I think it is very difficult for the average or casual fan or even the expert to truly understand hockey coaching. <laughs> right. I think like, we talked think, about this on, on one time. about Yeah, like it's same thing with basketball. Like it's the, the free-flowing sports where, and part of John's job is to allow Matt Duchesne to have some more creativity on the ice to do what he wants to do, right? It's not like when you have to coach a football team in a, in a certain situation on a down and distance and your decision as a coach in that moment could affect the outcome of the game. Like that's not, like other than like challenging penalties, and maybe changing up lines, right? Like, I'm not sure. I, I think it's very difficult for fans to put their fingers on exactly what makes it makes a coach different from another coach. 
Like I think in football, it's so easy. We know the sport. We know the sport very well. We know what an, a spread offense looks like and a power offense. Like we know what a three, four defense looks like and a three, three, five. Like we just know so much more about the game and it's easier to see on the field. Mm-hmm. I just think it's hard to see like the tangible impact other than watching a bunch of young players develop at the end of the year, look at their stats. You look at the stars playing better. You look at the team making the playoffs. I think you have to be more broad in general with a hockey coach, I feel like. And I think that's what makes it kind of difficult sometimes. Um, but to your point, I think more good than bad is is exactly the, the right way to look at this for John Hines. So, um, okay. Before we get to the next question, uh, I want to remind everybody that the gold standard, because the next one I think is one of the most interesting questions of the entire survey. And I've got, I'm going to challenge the response to the, this question, Adam. Okay. Okay. But before we do that, the gold standard brought to you by the wonderful and amazing folks at Jaspers who would right. get a 100% approval rating on our survey. <laughs> 1200 of you agree that jaspers is amazing and it's the next evolution of the sports bar you appreciate the free parking the menu items are fantastic and constantly evolving the barbecue sweet potato fries you got all kinds of great salads you got great entrees you got great flatbreads and pizzas the shareables are amazing the game room the grab-and-go market the parking it's all there for you folks at jaspers you still have uh, nba playoffs now you got the final set right with the uh, golden state and the celtics you got NHL playoffs, you got Nashville SC, so plenty of reasons to go. The game room is slammed, so if you want to go and check it out, make sure you get there early. I don't even know what that means because, like, I'm old, so like early to me is like happy hour three thirty. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what what uh, do people do people still go out at eleven thirty p.m. Adam like like they do when they're in college? I don't know. That sounds. I, that sounds I, awful. I remember. I, I mean, this was this this story will tell you everything you need to know about me from a, from a social standpoint. Good um, I remember in college, you know, I would, you know, a bunch of us would hang out at someone's apartment and they'd be like 11 o'clock and they're like, all right, ready to go out. And I'm like, no, I'm going to bed. Like this was going out. <laughs> you, you were old. You were an old dad in college. That's great. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Go to Jasper's everybody. Great place to eat. Great place as to I eat as I finish eating this bag of trick cereal. Okay. That's, that's very college of you. So your diet hasn't changed much easier either, I can tell. You you desperately need to get to Jasper's for sure. Um, mm. So go over there and check it out. Okay. This question is fascinating to me because I think you're all full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, Adam. And maybe that's too harsh to you wonderful, amazing listeners and Predators fans. But do you... <laughs> the next two questions. Sorry, I should say the next... Uh, yeah, so you know, which question are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I jumped ahead. My fault. I, I, I apologize. I jumped ahead. So I'm going to skip to this to, to a different question here quickly because this is... I, I thought I was reading one. I misread. Um, okay. So we'll go so back. this is we'll the one that you're not angry about. Um, yeah, so this is... Yes, we will get to the one where I think you're all full of shit in just a second. Okay, so this is not that question. This is not that question. This one I actually okay. totally agree with you on and uh, all you listeners, and I'm assume, assuming you too, Adam. Um, but I do have a question for the okay. 20. Oh, by the way, before we get, what was your choice for the John Hines? What was your choice for the John Hines? I thought it was the right move. So you said you were for it? Yeah, I'm for it. I, I th- you can I, fire I, a coach. Yeah. Contracts aren't worth the paper they're printed on. You can fire him yeah. in the middle of I October would, uh, next year if you wanted to. I was so. I was for it as well. Okay. Um, do you want to hear directly from ownership about the direction of the franchise? 79% yes. I think that is the right answer. I'd like to know like what the 21% is thinking. Like, do you just don't think? I'm, and I'm, I'm not saying this to be snarky. I just would like to know, like, wh- who, who is it that you... Is it because they don't need to hear from ownership that they're already, like, they just think that David Poyle should be fired and John Hines isn't the guy and no. they don't need to re-sign Forsberg? Like, do you think it's more that or do you think it's more... I trust that what they're doing and I don't need to hear from ownership. I think I'm, I'm curious. 
I think it's a couple of things. Um, so let's, you know, just to show you how we, we, we look back at the David Poyle question from last year and compared it to this year. So I did not ask this specific question last year, but I did ask an adjacent question. The question being, would the Predators benefit from having a more visible owner who spoke directly to fans? That was the question I asked last year. About 60% of you said no, they would not prefer a more visible owner who spoke directly to fans. So, so it's gone from 60% saying no, I don't want to hear from ownership, basically, to 80% saying yes, I want to hear from ownership. Now, it, it, I mean, I, I think it's just because, quite frankly... I think a lot of Predators fans feel the way that I explained in my column when the season was over, that I think this is related to the David Poyle question. I I think Predators fans are having a hard time trusting David Poyle's vision for the franchise. And I guess they want to hear from someone who has a financial stake in said franchise. Um, Yeah. You know, what's interesting is um, I was having this conversation. I was having this conversation with Joe Rexroad um, about, you know, cause, um, because because uh, Jared and Caroline took my took this survey on the air last week. Uh, and they they went through their uh, they went through their responses. And, and Jared's point of view is that if ownership has empowered Sean Henry to speak on their behalf then he's okay with that. Then he doesn't have to hear directly from ownership if Sean Henry has been given the right to speak for them. I disagree with that. The The point of this question is, do you want to hear from Predators chairman Herb French about the direction of the franchise, which I probably should have explicitly stated, but I don't think I needed to do that. No, yeah, I, don't, I don't think you need to. And 80% I, and I, of you... 80% of you basically have the same feeling I had in my column when the season ended, that you're well, tired of hearing from David Poyle and you want to hear from somebody who basically holds David Poyle's fate in their hands. Well, and Sean, let's listen, Sean Henry is brilliant at what Sean Henry is supposed to do, which is promote and organize and be the vocal sort of face of the franchise outwardly from a business standpoint. And he does it brilliantly. I mean, there's just no question about the job he does in terms of, you know, community partnerships and advertising and revenue and, and telling the story and, and, you know, all the things that he's supposed to do. But like part of the reason that, that he is so great at that is because he's a politician. Like that, that's what his job is, is to sort of spin it all a little bit. And that's what he is so good at. That is not what you, that's, that's not what I want when I want to know, like, well, what was the decision-making process behind giving David Poyle an automatically renewing contract? Like Sean Henry can't answer that. Because he wasn't the one to make the decision, he can he can get he can read off some talking points, right? Yeah, but he can't. He wasn't the one to actually make the decision. And here's what I would say about the answers here, Adam. I think this shows maturity as a fan base from last year to this year to understand why it's important to hear from an owner, to understand the differences between an owner and Sean Henry and David Poyle and John Hines. I think it just shows a little growth from the fan base. To be honest with you, like that that last year it was what was it? Did you say sixty percent last year? Yes, it was sixty percent said no. No, they would not yeah. prefer. And, so, oh, and oftentimes, so it's gone from forty to eighty. It's doubled in one year. I think that's maturity. Yeah, and I think, and I think one of the issues, perhaps with the with the question last year, is I think when I when I asked it, I think people were assuming, or I don't think people were assuming. I think a lot of people's heads 
went immediately to like someone like Jerry Jones. Like, cause I think that I got a comment or two in that, in that results post or even in the, in the survey post about how like, you know, they don't want an owner like Jerry Jones who sucks up all the oxygen around the franchise. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. you know, there are other, there, there are other, there are other owners who are more visible. I mean, that you, you don't, know, you, you don't need Herb Rich. You don't need Herb Fritsch taking a selfie on Instagram Live on his private plane singing a song like Jim Irsay. Like we don't. That's no, not what we're talking. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a statement or a press conference. That's it. Like think about it this way. I think one of the, I think one of the more positive developments in the uh, ascension lately of the Tennessee Titans is that it's clear who is the face of ownership. That's a- Amy Adams Strunk. She's available. She's around. I don't know how often she speaks, but she is around. Like she makes her presence felt. And I do think she does talk on occasion when there's some sort of big tentpole event or what have you. So is, is Amy making all of the football decisions? No, but I do think that her presence has been a benefit to the Tennessee Titans and their, and the perception in the fan base among you know, about the direction of the this team is, under John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. This is an inc- incredibly important point because I think no human is more popular in the city of Nashville than Amy Adams Strunk. I think she could win the mayor race right now, today, because of all the work she has put in to get the FaceTime. She's done the retail politics, right? Whatever. It doesn't have to be a press conference, but she's done the retail politics. She's in the community. She's at events. She talks to rookies. I was there at rookie camp. She was there talking to every one of them. Like she, it's, and I'm not suggesting that Herb Fritch is not talking to players. That, that's not what I mean. I just mean she does the retail politics that it takes to rebuild a relationship with a community. And the Titans needed to rebuild that. The Predators do not need to rebuild it. That, that's not what, where they're at. They're in a different place. Speaking of Adams, rebuilds. No, go ahead. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're about to get there because you're all full of shit. So when Amy, when Amy Adams does the retail politics, presses the flesh, whatever you, cliche you want to use it, like that, that's where she has gained so much ground. On on and and frankly, she wasn't wanted by the old boy club in the NFL. They didn't want her, so I think she's done an extraordinary job to build up her reputation and her brand, and and, and has done it with a winning franchise. And you know, again, they haven't won much either. <laughs> they got to the AFC Championship. They got a couple divisions. It's not that different than than what the Preds have accomplished, honestly. Um, so we'll see what happens with with the Titans. But I think she's the. I think you're absolutely right to use her as an example of what you know, a predator's owner could do and could be, you don't have to be again. You don't have to be the guy singing into your phone on a mirror plated airplane. You know what I mean? If you don't know, you don't know. I went to, I went to, I'm a Saints fan and my dad and I, before the pandemic, we would try to go to at least one Saints home game every year. So the last time we were there, they were playing the Cowboys, I think on Sunday night football. And the night before there were all of these videos being tweeted of Jerry Jones on Bourbon Street. Oh, and God. like he had security with them and he was, you know, you know, he was trying to part the Red Sea of people and Bourbon Street. And <laughs> like we we don't need Herb Fritsch to be no. you know, on Broadway, no. you know, going to Jason L. Dean's bar or whatever. We just we ju- I, I'm just saying that it goes I, I think it all ties into David Poyle. I, I think that as as this survey shows that consumer confidence, well, not consumer confidence, you know, overall confidence in David Poyle's ability to turn this team around is, is, is falling dramatically. And 
I think the fact that he, as I jokingly wrote a couple of months ago, appears to have the job security of a Supreme Court justice, I think is not is no longer acceptable to a lot of fans. And there's only one person who can really speak on that. Right. And I think that's what fans want to hear. So that, yeah, I, I, I think, I, you know what, I, I applaud Predators fans. As you said, I think I, I, I was surprised by the result last year in a, in a less than like, not negatively, but I was a bit bummed. I was hoping there would be more um, support for it last year. Clearly, You just, want, you just want ammunition when you go to the Preds and say, can I speak with Herb Fritch, please? And, I mean, and, I'm, don't, and, listen, don't pretend listen, like I won't fr- pull this the, out. Don't, the fans want to like hear. Yeah, don't pretend like I won't use it. But damn anyway, right, okay, now right let's, let's talk about why you think people are full of shit. Okay, uh, I think this is question six, right? Would you this support... Would you? So I got four more here. Would you support? Go to Jaspers. Actually, this is question five. Would you support a full scale rebuild if it meant picking number one in the draft at least once? And sixty two percent of you said yes. Thirty eight percent of you said no. And here's my issue: two two things. Number one, picking number one in the draft at least once does not guarantee you anything. It's it gives you a better chance at a great player, but it does not guarantee you a great player. Number two. How many years of awful hockey are you 62 percenters willing to still financially commit to? Like you still have to be you. you, I I think it's an easy answer to say yes to this question, because then it means you're probably going to have two to four years of bad hockey, no playoffs. And are you still willing to buy season tickets, wear the gear, watch the games, go to the games, support the team financially and with your time? It, knowing full well that you are the person that is committing to trying to get the number one pick. Does that make sense? Cause I, I like it, you 62% are basically saying you're fine with three to four years of bad hockey. Are you okay? I, I, I that to me is, I, there's no way there's 60% of you that are fine with that. Not. And then when it does happen, 62% of you are not allowed to say a bad word. You, you have to say we signed up for this and that's where I think they're all full of it. Yeah, I mean, and one of the things I posited in the article was the follow-up question, basically to your point, is this. Would those who voted in support of a rebuild show up to games when, if the team plummets down the standings? Because, as you said, if you are if you are going through the kind of rebuild that gives you a, a chance at a number one pick, like you're going to be no be better bad. than 25th in the standings. You know, you'd probably be, you know, you would definitely be in the bottom 10. Here, here's the key. Can you do it like Arizona? What do you mean, can you do it? Can, like can you do the rebuild like Arizona? Where you're, like, well, you're, you're going to be atrocious for probably, what, two years, but you're going to acquire so much capital that you can then start to rebuild. Because I think that's, the, I, to me, number one is not as important as you just need to be close to getting an elite player. Does that make sense? Like... Because you cannot guarantee that the year you have the number one pick that you get Austin Matthews. Right. It's all about, I mean, timing, timing is everything. So, you know, you could end up with, I mean, I mean, you could end up with Connor McDavid, you know, you could end up with Niall Yakupov. Like, <laughs> right. If you're giving me like, Connor McDavid, the, you know, I'm, the Oilers, the Oilers had, I, I'm pulling up number one overall picks. So the Oilers had the number one pick three years in a row. They had the number one pick 2010, 2011, 2012, and then again in 2015. So that's four times in six years that they had the number one pick. In 2010, they took Taylor Hall. 
2011, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 2012, Niall Yakupov, and 2015, Connor McDavid. McDavid, obviously, generational player. I hate All right, I so five. Good. So our our Predators fans are 62% of you willing to be god-awful for five years if you get Connor McDavid. If I get Connor McDavid, maybe. I mean, I, look I feel at, I mean, look at the recent look at the recent number one picks, like guys who have been in the league now for a little while. Like in New Jersey, they had two number one picks in the span of three years. They had Nico Heischer in twenty seventeen and Jack Hughes in twenty nineteen. Hughes had a really good season, and Heischer is a really solid player. Now the Devils are still not good. You know, <laughs> they're getting better, but they're still not good. So you could still have Heischer and Hughes and still be bad. You know. That you know the the Leafs have Austin Matthews, you know Aaron Ekblad number one in 2014, McKinnon in 2013. Um, so it's not a guarantee. I, I think that's what you know. What I find interesting is that, as I wrote in the little analysis, that not all number one picks turn into franchise players, but Predators fans, at least according to this survey, are willing to take that chance. And I think that Do you believe it. To, Do you believe it? I just don't I believe it, I don't believe that number. I think it speaks to I think it speaks to a the lack of confidence in the Predators plan. Um I do think that um I, I think I, that there's thirty or forty percent of you out there, and I might be one of them eventually, maybe not right now today, that are fine with a total teardown and rebuild. That's fine. I, I I agree that there are thirty to forty percent of you that don't trust David Poyle, that don't think this team can win a cup, don't want John, Hunt, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Yes. I, you you want to be bad so that you can get some great players, some good picks, some draft capitals, tear it down and rebuild. I think there's plenty of you that have a sound strategy for that, and I agree with it, and I'm okay with that. I, again, I may not be the one that would pull the trigger on that right now. I just don't like it's. I think it's so much easier to click yes on a survey on the athletic than it is to watch four years of garbage hockey, <laughs> basically. Yes. No. I. Um. I. I think that's. He, I think let me that's ask you. If, this will probably be an entire episode next week or some other time. What What does the total teardown look like? What does that actually look like? I, I mean, I honestly, I don't know if they. You know, somebody pointed out in the comment section, which I included in the analysis, which I thought was smart. It was a smart kind of a, it was a smart thought by I believe it was Christian who had this thought um, said that you know are the predators going through a quote unquote competitive rebuild because they think they can be competitive or because David Poyle has swung for the fences so many times and signed players to these long term contracts that they can't get out of them and like this like this is their this is their only you know option is to basically you know hope that. You know they can turn over the bottom part of the roster, yeah. uh, which I think is smart. Um, I mean, we can talk about that. It's, tra- it's time. trading. It's trading UC Saros number one right now while he's young and affordable. It mm-hmm. is trading UC Saros for as much as you possibly can and starting Connor Ingram. That is the number one biggest move to get you the most in return, and 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 then probably lose games in the process. Right? Yes. I mean, to me, that's the number one move. It's probably not re-signing Philip Forsberg. It's probably, and that leads us right into our next question. But that's probably going to be if you want to use that eight million dollars to take on a bad contract to then get some draft stock out of the deal. That's rebuilding. That's tearing down. Right. It's taking mm-hmm. on the Phil Kessel contract or whatever. Like that. That's those are two of them right away. It's not re-signing Forsberg and it's trading UC Saros. I, it's probably trading Matias Ekholm. Right. It, I mean, re-sign them then. Well, 
maybe it makes it maybe it makes him more valuable. I, I don't I don't this is it's it's not gonna. Ha- I don't think the teardown is gonna happen, folks. I don't think that's their goal. I think they think that they can just keep nibbling around the edges, keep developing, and they're gonna be fine. And maybe they are. Maybe we're all wrong about this. Maybe we're all wrong. <laughs> Who knows? Who's to say? This leads us. Well, we'll find. Time will tell. We'll find out. This leads us to the next question. Uh, Philip Forsberg is projected to receive an eight-year deal, about eight and a half million per. That's according to Evolving Hockey's model. If these are the terms, I had this is the most difficult question for me to answer. If these are the terms, would you re-sign him? And seventy-six percent of you said yes. Twenty-four percent of you said no. I think what's would you vote for? Would you vote I, for? I <laughs> so th- I voted for yes, and this is why. Because, okay, so I remember in 2019 when the rumors were were flying about the Predators and Matthew Shane, which ultimately came to pass. But there were there were rumors, you know, reported by reputable insiders that Matthew Shane could look to command between nine and ten million dollars per season. And I, if I recall correctly, I was like, oh my god, no, like. That's way too much for Matt Duchesne. And then when he signed with the Predators and it leaked that he was an eight-year, $8 million cap, I was like, ah, that seems reasonable by comparison. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's kind of how I feel about this, where you know, if we're talking nine, nine and a half, no. Eight and a half seems reasonable. That's why, that's why I said yes. I, I also said yes. I'd prefer it be a six-year deal. But here's the thing. He's still young enough that you could trade him in the first three years, right? You could, and and typically, like, and typically those short, like, like Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews signed, I think, a five year contract a, a few years ago. Um, they're sort of in vogue for for younger players. I think Kirill Kaprizov also signed a five year deal. Oh yeah, so Austin Matthews signed a five year contract in February of twenty nineteen. With a cap hit of eleven point six ish million. How how old is he? Um, well, he is currently twenty four. So in twenty nineteen, he was probably yeah, yeah. like twenty two. That so, that's the issue. If this was three years ago for Forsberg, then I think then I think he might take that five yeah. year thing because then he knows he can get another one. This is his big. Yes. This is his big paycheck. This is, this his is big it. Contract. Yes, this is his big contract. So. Of course, this model does not take into account trade protection and all that stuff. This is just evolving hockey's way of, of, of and you know what? They're of, they're usually pretty accurate. Um, they even break it down by like th- this: the eight year, eight and a half ish million dollar per season contract was the one they think is most likely. But if you, but they also break it down by year. So it's like if Forsberg signs a five year deal, this is what we think his cap hit's going to be. Yeah, it's a six year deal. But like, but then they ultimately, you know, and I can pull this up right now because I'm, I'm just I, curious. I think they, I think this is where it's going to end up actually. So I, I think it's going to be an eight for eight and a half deal, and I think that's what's going to happen. Yes. So according to according, well, they think they they give it a seventy one percent odds that if this is if he stays, and of course, it, it, let's see what happens if he goes to a different team. So according to them, if he, if Forsberg signs elsewhere. He would he would have a they predict a seven year term with a nine point four five eight million dollar oh, cap hit so he's seven just, he's just not that good. <laughs> so what's nine point five times good. seven? Nine point five times seven is sixty six point five. Eight and a half times eight is sixty eight. So yeah. he'll still get he'll get a, a smidge more money. 
but and do you, you know, want to play in Nashville? How much do you love Nashville? How much, backs, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like how much do you love the Preds? How much do you like playing in Heinz system? How much do you, you know, all that stuff, right? Like that's, that's all for Forsberg to decide. He's just not a nine and a half million dollar player. In my opinion. No, he's, he's not. not. I, no. I, we, we, I, he, he is a number one for this team. He is not a number one in the NHL. That's, that's where no. they are, which is why I think they're going to, which is why I think the eight and eight and a half is a good middle ground for both of them even though I don't love that deal and it's certainly not going to age well as he gets up to 33, 34 and 35 years old or whatever the last three years of that deal. But uh, I, I think this is, I think they have no choice. If they are going to try to be competitive, they've got to resign him and they're going to have to give him an extra year to do it. So I think that's, I think that's where we are on him. Uh, mm-hmm. Two, two quick ones here. Um, Cause I don't, I find this to be interesting that you included, to be honest, like ideally how many starts should UC Saros makes next, make, make next season. Um, you had 21% between 50 and 55, um, 60%, 58%, 59% said between 55 and 60 starts. Um, 19% said between 60 and 65, basically nobody (laughs) said 20, 20 of the nearly 1200 people said 65 or more. So, I mean, again, like basically 99% of the humans think he should start between 50 and 65 games. I think that's about right. I, I think the question is, should the, he be used a little bit less this year? Maybe. Hopefully that's I don't because... think he should start 67 games again. I don't no, think that's I, a good idea. No, no. And I think, and I agree with them. I would vote between 55 and 60. I think is right. That's I don't, I, I don't want to take him off the ice anymore, but I think you need to take him off the ice a little bit more. <laughs> so I think this is about right. I don't know if this is a, I don't mean to insult you, Adam. I don't think this is a particularly insightful question. Well, I think the reason I included it was, one, UC Soros started more games than any goaltender in the NHL this season. And I think when you look at his month-by-month statistical breakdown, it's, you know, one could make the case that he was, you know, losing steam. You know, so it was a hot topic. Like even before he was injured, people were talking like when the team was struggling and UC Saros wasn't playing as well. People were saying, you know, fans were saying, you know, they shouldn't be playing him so much. So I do think it was a hot topic of conversation at the end of the season, which is why I included it. I just think we all agree. 99% of us think he needs to play less, right? Yes. But I'd be curious. I wanted to know exactly how many. I I wanted to break it down. Okay, so there you go. Um, I do think the less than fifty-five crowd—that's about twenty-one percent of you. That—that that seems a that I, I don't know if you make the playoffs with fifty-three starts from UC Saros. Now, unless unless that's Connor Ingram is so good, yeah, which is which is possible, and then that's a good thing. But just looking at UC Saros as the guy that carries them to almost all of their wins, <laughs> I think they're you probably want him around fifty-eight, maybe fifty-eight, fifty-nine starts, something like that. Um, so yeah. I think we all agree he needs to be used less. Um, next question, which player has the best chance of repeating his career best performance? Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, none of the above. About 9% of you said none of the above. Roman Yossi was the winner there at 43%. 29% think Philip Forsberg can re- replicate it. And only 18% think Matt Duchesne can replicate it. I actually think all three of them can replicate it. I do not think Roman Yossi is going to go for 96 points, though. Like No, I... I, I... You know, I think because at first I was going to at first I thought I was going to include someone like Tanner Janot, but like Tanner Janot's career was like 24 goals and like 40 points. So it's like that's easier, quote unquote, to to accomplish than the other players. And, you know, maybe I could have phrased this question differently. Um, 
because you're right, I have a hard time imagining Roman Yossi reaching 96 points again. But, but I also, it, but I also trust him the most to repeat his ability yes. to be great. Yes, I think so. that you know, I think you know, the word, the question may could have been worded a little bit differently. But I think you know, 42.8 percent said Roman Yossi. That's who I would have said as, as well. You know, I'm wondering if the Matt Duchesne factor is the fact that he's older. I mean, he's older yeah. than he's yeah. older than Forsberg. He, I believe he and Yossi are the same age. Well, but, and, Fors- and Forsberg, I think, is more pure talent, right? Like more power and, and speed and younger. I think that's I, I would vote for Forsberg over Duchesne. I, I, I picked Yossi just because I think if anyone can do it, it's him. I, that's what I did, too. I voted Yossi not not because I think he can replicate 96 points, but I think that he's just the best player on the team. So I think yeah, he's going to st- he's going to stay where he is, you know, give or take a few points, whatever. Um, he could win a Norris and have less points next year, right? Like it's possible. I, I think Duchesne is. A, I think Forsberg. We've been waiting for Forsberg to do this. Forty-two points and eighty-four, or forty-two goals and eighty-four points. I think that's where his. That's where he should be. Frankly, yeah. I think he should be a forty-forty player. But Duchesne, I think, is the one that's a, that feels a little bit like an outlier. So that's probably why I'm, I agree with the the poll results here. Here's a question I would have asked maybe instead of the Saros question. Mm. Not that you, not that you asked me. Um, and I don't know what wording would be correct here, but which, which player needs to do, to become a star for the Predators to to improve, right? To, to to go further in the playoffs, to be a better team next year. And and I don't if it's is it Ellie Tolvanen, Philip Tomasino, Yakov Trenin, is it Alex Carrier, is it Tanner Janot? Yeah, like who? That's a good question. Who needs to be the guy who develops? And if we're talking about and we're about to talk about what should be the top priorities for the Predators in the offseason. I, developing one of those guys has to be an answer. Like this team does not get better if either Tolvanen or Tomasino or Carrier somebody doesn't become a star. Like Tanner Janot is kind of already there. Yakov Trenning, I think is kind of is what he is, which is very good, but but is a third line winger. I, I think it it's it's one of these other guys, one of these other young, very talented pieces needs to become a star on the second line. And I don't know. I to me, it's Tomasino. Like that that's yeah, the guy right. that I think could do it. I would say that as well. So, all right. Okay. So in terms of improving the roster, what should the Predators top priorities be this off season? Survey says what Adam Bingen? Survey says 64.8% top six winger or wingers, plural. 23.4% a top four defenseman who can play with Roman Yossi or Matthias Ekholm. 9.2% a backup goaltender, other 2.6%. Um, I, think backup goal, I think backup goaltender, I would switch top four defenseman and backup goaltender. This actually. was the least surprising result um, yep. just because yep. of the fact that um, Luke Cunning and Ellie Tolvanen did not pull their weight um, in that role. I think that Forsberg leaving would compound that problem, hence why you might need to get multiple top six wingers. Um, so it doesn't surprise me at all. It certainly sounds like it will be a priority of the team. You know, I think it was John Hines who mentioned that basically whichever center between Granlund or Johansson wasn't playing with Forsberg and Duchesne was basically, he didn't say this, but I'll say it for him. Fuck. Hung out to dry. Um, so, um, you know, the, the the top four defensemen who can play with Roman Yossi and Matias Ocom thing is interesting. Um, just because... Did you think that was a problem? A major problem? I think that... One of Carrier or Fabro would benefit from playing on a third pair. So hmm. I th- I think that, for example, if you put Carrier with Yossi and Fabro with Mark Borvietsky and you signed a veteran, more 
def, you know, a, a steady defensive molded defenseman, whatever you want to say, to play with at home, I think that would be more I think that could be beneficial. Um Okay. Okay. I don't think Carrier and Fabro are like in over their heads or anything, but I do think that Ekholm took a step back this season, and I think part of that is because he was shepherding Alex Carrier, um, and I think Carrier was fine, but I do think that if his if first, Ekholm's his first full season in the NHL, if so. Ekholm is going to be the defenseman that takes the hard matchups, I think they would benefit from having some like you know the reason that's why the this PK Subban pair worked so well. Yeah. You don't need to go get someone who makes that much money, but you know if if you can find somebody if you can find somebody like minded who won't cost a lot and put him next to Ekholm, I think that could be helpful. Um, it, it, so, is, but, it, it is interesting that that's the one thing that I don't I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that because I feel like some of the solutions are like one of the solutions. I, I think this is where there's really good news for the Predators. The fact that Connor Ingram is going to be your backup goaltender next year is not only a big upgrade on David Riddick, but it answers one of the major questions. And it allows yeah. you to keep UC Soros off the ice a little bit more. So I think that we know that there's money in the cap to sign Forsberg and go after a winger. We've also got two or three young players that are they think they, may, they might be able to develop, whether that's Cundin Tolvin or Tomasino, into that spot. Cody Glass might also be a part of that conversation. So like they've got some answers to the other questions. I don't think that they have an answer to... Hey, we just need someone significantly better than Fabro or Carrier. And I don't know if they need to answer that question yet, but that takes resources that they don't necessarily have, in my opinion. I, I mean, I would have to look at the, the, the type of... Like, I'm not asking the Predators to go sign John Klingberg right, in free right. agency. But I'm asking... But, like, you know... Like, for example, one guy... Like, this is... This, I would have to do more research, you know? But, like, some like someone like Ian Cole, who plays for Carolina right now, played on Pittsburgh during their runs to the Stanley cup, you know, uh, Roman Yossi hit him in the face with a slap shot. Um, (laughs) So, you know, like Ian Cole, I think generally speaking is a, is a responsible defensive guy that if you put him next to Matias at home, you'd have a good pair. You know, you don't have to pay a lot for a guy like that. I'm not asking them to break the bank for that type of player, but I think they should prioritize it after the, you know, after the, um, the I, I think it's good that your third option for what the priorities should be in the offseason is just like sitting in Milwaukee. Like, I think that's a really nice benefit here that Predators fans like that could lead to three or four more wins this year. And and if that's the case, that could easily put you. You certainly wouldn't be playing Colorado. That might put you. I, I don't think that gets you into the three seed because it's how good St. Louis and Minnesota were. But mm-hmm. I if your backup goaltender is playing and, and wins you, you know, five more games next year. Than, than David Riddick and UC Soros, then, and it keeps Soros healthy for the playoff series. I think that's a pretty huge step in the right direction for a franchise that doesn't have to do anything to solve that problem. So I think that's a good, I think there's, it's worth noting that while we have all these questions and issues and David Poyle this and ownership that, that one of their major questions and one of their major problems is going to be solved by z- with zero dollars and in house. <laughs> so, or at least the third biggest question, I should say. So there you go. All right, let's, let's end on a, let's end on a fun note here, Adam. We get to do a little ranting, a little venting. Of course, remember that the gold standard is brought to you by Jaspers. Make sure you go to Jaspers on West End. There's parking that's free. There's a free game room. There's an air hockey table. Respect the air hockey table by please not putting your drinks on it. And if you see anybody that does put their drinks on the air hockey playing surface, you have been deputized to go do something about it. Don't kick them out of the restaurant. We want them to spend money. But you get the deal. So go to Jaspers, everybody. Make sure you pay for good journalism at The Athletic. 
All right. Which aspect of the Predator's in-game experience would you eliminate? It is not even close for me, Adam. It's not even close. And I think you know which one I hate the most. You have Glorious Domination won the vote at 34%. DMX Party Up, up in here as the Power Play song, 27%. Fang Fingers, 21%. And we'll get into what the other options are, which actually got a big chunk of the vote at 17%. It is not even close, Adam Bingen. The worst part, the most juvenile, the most immature, the most cheesy and garbage part of going to a Nashville Predators game since the day they were a franchise that moved to Nashville, Tennessee, the very first game against the Florida Panthers that I have the puck sitting in my office right now, I was there and I thought this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen and it is still the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a Predators. I take that back. It's not as dumb as putting a pedal tavern on the ice during intermission, but Fang Fingers has to go, Adam. It has to go. It has to go. Fang Fingers. Fang Fingers. Fang, fang Fingers has to go. Um, it's annoying. I, it's obnoxious and know, it's cheesy. I voted, you know, I, I do think it's a little silly. Um, Fine for the know, first I, 10 years. Now you're a real hockey team. Stop with that crap. Um, my, my, vote, my vote was for Glorious Domination, which... Those who know me might find ironic because I am a big wrestling fan. That is a wrestling <laughs> song, um, but to me, it the you know, and first right now, it's it's I think the only time they regularly play is like when they're coming onto the ice for the third period. So it's not like it's you know blaring all the time. Yeah, it doesn't strike me as a specific thing that happens. I, every, think, all the time. I think it is a sim. I think it's, it's definitely it's, a 2017 thing. Exactly. I think it underscores the fact that I think the, the basic, there were a lot of the comments were in the, in the original survey were about this. And I think the general sentiment is that, you know, this team is living in the past from an in-game <laughs> experience standpoint that the song selections and the stuff on the scoreboard needs to be refreshed. And one of the commenters mentioned that, you know, when out of town fans come, they love it. But for those of us that have been here for years, yeah, yeah. it's, it hasn't really evolved. So and, it doesn't yeah, feel so, like a big part. It, it does hashtag feel like 17. There's no question. Um, like it's, it doesn't strike me as a huge part of the game though. Glorious. Like I remember no, it. From, I, re- I remember it from the playoff run in 17, like DMX doesn't bother me. It's fine, but it is played a very specific time. Every single game for specific things, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm fine. It's a good song. He's a, he's a good rapper. I think it's it's fine. I have no problem with that. Um, could you change it? Sure. Could you make it a different song every time? Sure. Like who? You know. Whatever. Well, they tried that. Remember? I know, and I'm fine with DMX. I have no problem with the DMX song. It's a it's a the, the Dirks Bentley song lasted like two games. And that's well, that's because you need something with some edge to it. You can't put Dirks Bentley in there when you're supposed to be pumping up a crowd for a power play. Uh, yeah. I'm good with DMX there. My issue with the Fang Fingers is that you could do something in that situation the way the way 303 chants a goalie when they give up goals, right? Like you could have a really creative, fun, like way to taunt and chant against the other team instead so of just Carol, like, so when, when um, a, an, an opposing player goes to the penalty box in Raleigh, the fans chant cheaters never win. Like they get like locked. You could be, you could they make it locked. so much fun. They get yeah. locked in the penalty box. And I think there's like a sound effect, like a jail cell closing. Yes, that's great. And they say cheaters never win or something like that. And that always <laughs> makes me laugh. 
or just like you know, just something. You could again. This is I'm not the creative person to to do this here, but like you're all just gonna make the TCU horn frog symbol and like, like I didn't even know that. I mean, that's what it is, kind of. But like, it's just so 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 stupid. <laughs> I don't know. I listen. I have. I will admit that I have a visceral reaction to fame fingers. It drives me batshit crazy. I, I but I've hated it since 1998. So I, I am not, I have not changed on this. I have never wavered from it. I think it is absolutely ridiculous. I, I just think it's so stupid, but feels like, feels like 17 hashtag feels like 17, Adam. Yeah. I mean, I think I what really were some of the other, what were some of the other options that were, that were commented on? Um, I'd like to point out that the person who said that Scott Stapp should never be invited back is, you know, that borders on blasphemy. Scott Stapp, even though the Predators are 0 and 2 in playoff games when Scott Stapp performs on the band stage. I feel like that's a I feel like that's a that's trolling you though. You you can't you can't uh you can't do that. Um there I were think a that's, couple I think votes. that's less about how good Scott Stapp is and more about trolling you. I think There were a couple of votes for the goal song. Um there were a couple of votes for for Tim McGraw to be uh taken behind the woodshed figuratively. I'm okay I'm with that. I'd be fine. I'd be fine with that. I'm not condoning the murder of Tim McGraw. Um, just no, no, no. Before. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not fine with the murder of Tim McGraw. I'm fine with taking that part away. It's already half transitioned to Black Keys anyway. So, right. Um, well, uh, there were, and then there were some specific things. You know, someone mentioned like the screaming goat that they show on the score. No, that's great. They they wanted that to be done with. The, okay, um, here's here's one. Here's one that I think is, and it's I don't I don't know wrestling, so I don't know Hacks- hacksaw Jim Duggan, right? Yes, that that is one of the dumbest pump up things I've ever seen. He just like walks out and goes, "Oh, <laughs> just well, like, his that's his little that? trademark." Uh, I know, but it doesn't do anything to the crowd. Like, like, like there's not like a if he actually did something and like screamed and yelled and smashed something or whatever, then it would be great. But he doesn't actually like do anything. And I know that's his thing, but like that to me is the one that falls super flat in the arena. That one saw that to me that's that falls super flat. I love the screaming goat. I laugh every single time. <laughs> I see that goat and I die laughing. It's great. Then there's the one where they have the video of the, they, it's like the video of the catfish swimming that sounds like the Swedish chef. And then it screams like the screaming goat. That's pretty funny. Fang that one's kind of funny. That's kind of funny. Fang fingers. Fang fingers has got to go. It's got to go. What'd you vote for? You voted for glorious. I voted for glorious. Yeah. I don't even remember when it happens in the game. You know what I mean? Starting the third period. I, yeah, I know that. I just, I'm, what I'm saying is it doesn't strike me as something that is a part of the in-game presentation, really. You know what I mean? Like, the goalie chants and the DMX song and Fang Fingers and, you know, you suck. Like, there's, it's all your fault. Like, there's stuff that's part of the game, I feel like, and that one doesn't really strike me as part of the game. So, anyway. There you have it, folks. The survey. Go to The Athletic and read about it. Um, Adam? Thank you for hanging out. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you and your family, baby Arlo. Hope everybody's doing well. Had a great weekend. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Check out the YouTube page, Pay for Good Journalism at The Athletic. Rate, review, subscribe to this show. We really appreciate all your support. Adam, anything else you'd like to add to the, for the wonderful folks out there? Um, do you have any really. idea? Do you have any idea of when we could get word about Philip Forsberg? No. Is this like an any day or like weeks, weeks and months away? I'm going to get This is just a guess. This is just a guess. <laughs> this is just a guess. This is not reporting. This is an Easter egg right here, guess. baby. My guess is that it 
gets done before the 4th of July. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, that's it. We just want to leave you, leave, leave you that little Easter egg, that little nugget there at the end of the pod. Adam, thank you, man. Always a pleasure. At Adam Vingan, at The Athletic, at Braden Gall, 440 Sports, the YouTube page. Rate, review, subscribe, all that great stuff. And, of course, go to Jasper. We'll talk to you again again. Easy for me to say. For Adam Vingan, my name is Braden Gall. We'll talk to you guys again next week.